Talk hard and enjoy the mindgasm. The intellectual podcast starts now. Welcome to the 179th episode of the Intellectual Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Dawson. I am sitting at Denny's in Mira Mesa on what I like to affectionately call Star Wars Day. It is the evening of the premiere of Rogue One, a Star Wars story, and we're going to get our early reactions. It's myself, Mike Peterson. What's up? You joined us for the Force Awakens podcast, too, I did. right? Yeah. And everybody's favorite hometown actor, Mr. Merrick McCarthy. Good evening, everybody. Also known as San Diego's Denzel. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a bit of a secret right now. He booked something and he won't tell me what it is. Yeah, it's coming out uh, 2017. A few things, actually. Um, so it's funny, yeah, you got to experience a little bit of that whole Denzel. So we were sitting at the table at uh, the place before. <laughs> it was before the movie tonight. We're sitting and at Grub. Guy goes, you want to tell you look like Denzel Washington? My response <laughs> the waiter, was... The waiter says that to him. And my response was... Uh, yeah, you've heard that before. I said, yeah, sometimes... Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I've heard the real answer here. is, yes, all the effing time. <laughs> I go, and he's an actor, too. <laughs> I just start piling it on top. You may have seen him on Criminal Minds <laughs> and yes. Scandal. Yes. And, and some local commercial. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, Merrick's all over the place. And hopefully more so in the future. There is a... Uh... I'm digging. I'm trying to get him to tell there's, me. What he's... Uh, there's more of that. There's it's more been that. like a hundred episodes since you've been on the podcast. Yes. So before we get into Rogue One, just real quick, how you doing? A <laughs> <laughs> uh, lot's happened since that hundredth episode. Oh yeah. Um, lots happened with me too. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of things. A lot of changes. Good in things. Life. Bad things. All sorts of stuff. Yeah, right? Life. Life's happened. So, but career-wise, uh, it has been, um, it's been, you know, a, a process. Um, I've tried to conduct my career like a business, make decisions based being business-minded about it. And it's been fruitful for me. And it's, it's paying off now uh, in, in a big way. Good. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I want to be the actor that gives back to, you know, the actors that I know that come to me for help that now message me, ask me questions or look for advice. And I try to always be the, be the actor that says, here, what can I do to help you? Yes. Here's what you do. Here's what I know to do. Um, and just always let me know if you need something that I can possibly help you with. Um, but yeah, I've done some, uh, TV shows and commercials and, uh, some other films. Uh, I've actually not done as many, short films as I had been doing mm -hmm. by the time we did our podcast. I'm not sure if that was, that might've been before I the, think, the uh, 40 hour where I did like a, it was before that uh, 48. Okay. So there, after that yeah. podcast, there that, was that summer when you were in like every, every 40 <clears throat> that I did that I opened myself up to be, to do cameos for multiple teams. And, uh, the last time I did, it worked out very well. One team had to shoot Friday night. Uh, two teams were shooting Saturday, and then another team was shooting Sunday morning. And I was able to fit all of them in, drove around town like crazy, <laughs> had to know lines. And there was, there was at least one film where I literally ran in, set a line, and ran 
<laughs> it was just hilarious. Was that Ranger Rocket? That yeah, was, was Ranger, Ranger Rocket. Rocket. <laughs> I was there for that one. <laughs> yeah, we were all in Ranger you're Rocket. Yeah, exactly. And that was the one that if you're watching all these films and then <laughs> you see me in a few others, and all of a sudden you see me just running and staying on and running out. I'm like, holy crap. It's him again. <laughs> so I just made it all more comical. You set a horrible precedent, though, because there's all these other actors in town that want to do that now. They think they, they think that's the thing they should be doing. No, I'm yeah. in as many 48s as I can. I'm like, nope, then you're no. not on my team. I don't no, wanna, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't want anything to do first, with that. Uh, I think the year before, I, it was my first time trying it, and it was, it was difficult. It was tough. I think I... Um, that was the year you did you pack it. This year, did you pack it? And uh, I did a film with Louis Martinez, and um, I did a film with Jody, uh, Jody and William Wall, and Randy Davison. So that was tough. I mean, I, I think I kind of I might have screwed up at least one person's schedule for that day because was that I the was, transporter, the transporter, the transporter. I know my films. Yeah, you do know your films. <laughs> So uh, it's a tough thing to do. I don't recommend anyone does it. It was a miracle that it worked out for me easily to do four. Uh, those four was um, the bre- was it the checkout club, mm-hmm. uh, Ranger Rocket, <laughs> Rain, uh, short short title Ranger Rocket, um, the New Adventures of Ranger Rocket and Daisy Adventure. Danger and Daisy Danger. That those two and I'm trying to remember the other two that I did that year. There's two more that you were in the one with um, uh, Mark Atkinson was in it too. Um, oh, that was with uh, Ryan Castleman. I did yeah. that one. Uh, what and was that, the name of that one? Um, <sighs> it was about we're doing gurus. It was like he was a self help guru, but yeah. he was totally BS. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and you're like, uh, don't know if he's full yeah, of shit. Yeah, I don't care, but yeah. Uh, and then there was one more. I, I don't think it was with the Brueggemeyer group. It was with a different group. No, because Brueggemeyer didn't do one that year. I mean, what group was it that I stepped in to help with that? The other one, I forget. But it was. Uh, it just worked out well for me to do it. Oh no! It was. And then it was. Uh, you pack it. So it was. Right. You know, Checo Club, uh, Range Rocket, um, uh, Ryan Castle. That's a film, lot of movies in one. And then one weekend, uh, you pack it. And you uh, pack it was great. So, well, okay. So that's an update on marriage. Yeah, that's my update. There's something happening in my career currently that uh, keeping close to my chest. Damn it! I thought and, we were going to uh, get it. I thought I'm, ex- I'm excited. I thought we I'm, put enough coffee I'm in. Excited. Uh, I'm excited to do it, and I don't really want to share and treat him to done, the best so. midnight stop at Denny's, <laughs> and maybe right. we could. Uh, you know, you'll have to come back on the show and debut. Weasel him out of those pants, but nope. Nope, nope. No, not getting in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you do get to the point where you want to make that announcement, sure. Uh, you have the great platform right here. Talk, <laughs> sure. talk with us about it. I think, yeah, I think it would be a good podcast for me to come back and talk about these things that I'm. I'd like to talk to you again about the whole process because yeah. you've really gone at it yeah. very hard lately. Yeah. It'd be good, yeah. To, good to hear what that process was like and yeah. where you end up. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I'd love to. I'd love That's to. a future episode of yes. the Intellectual Podcast coming your way. So now, on to the business at hand, Star Wars. Um, let's do the first, like, 10, 15 minutes and try and be, like, spoiler-free. Okay. And then we'll tell everybody, okay, turn this shit off if you don't want to hear anything. Right. So, initial reaction, Mike Peterson, go. 
Uh, I can't say enough good things about it. I literally have nothing bad to say about it. Um, absolutely amazing. Shot beautifully. Um, story is phenomenal. It ties everything together, literally, between um, Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. Um, and I know there's some confusion people out there because I've been fielding this question for a couple of weeks now right. about where this movie sits. It is not a sequel to last year's movie, The Force Awakened. Mm-hmm. It is a sequel to Revenge of the Sith and a prequel to A New Hope, mm-hmm. but more a prequel to A New Hope right. yeah. than, literally, a, literally, than literally, a sequel to literally Revenge. literally takes place up to the minute that yeah. New Hope starts. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it yeah. is the exact situation that leads to Leia at Tatooine. Like well, the situation that leads to her being, uh, being uh, boarded by Darth Vader. Yep. Yep. And, uh, so. so, yeah. So, it's, it's incredibly cool. Um, yeah. Uh, acting is great. The special effects, the costumes are... I thought there was even more alien race and everything else that we've seen than any other film. Like even some, even more so than like, you know, you have your, your couple cantina scenes where you see different aliens, but yeah, this, this, they were much more integrated more into the actual like story. life of the story. Yeah. yeah it was mm-hmm. very cool. Merrick, your first thought. Uh, I, I agree. It, it's, uh, I, I, I say it is the best Star Wars movie that it, that's been made bold. I, I would say that. Uh, I, I, it could be arguable that it's, you know, whether it's better than Empire, but I, I, I think it's the best story. I think it's a, it, the story is told differently than any of the other films. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I, I mean, I, I, I watch a lot of the acting in it. Uh, is it right to talk about the stars that are in the movie yeah, that yeah. are not surprises? Um, yeah, don't tell the surprises. No, the, uh, Luna, what's the actor, Luna, that plays the main? Diego room? Luna. Diego Luna. Uh, phenomenal acting by Diego. I watched some things he did in the film tonight. So a lot of subtlety in his performance. A lot of subtlety. Um, and I know they didn't overdub or, or uh, ADR his voice on anything because I'm watching what he's saying, what he's doing. And he's a just phenomenal actor. Uh, another great person to see who I believe everyone already knows in the cast. It's okay to talk about names or is it not? The mm-hmm. actor that plays the... Uh, the, the uh, Pilot that now switches sides. What, uh, come on. I'm getting food at Denny's. <laughs> Hold. It's going to be sizzle on your mic. <laughs> Listen to that. So the uh, <laughs> yeah. yes, it's um, a, a sizzling skillet. The pilot that uh, supposedly was captured. He was turning over the Imperial pilot. The Imperial pilot. Anyway, so uh, that actor is the actor from the Night of. He is the American, the actor from the American version of the series The Night of. I heard I need to watch that. I haven't seen it yet. You haven't right. seen it. I haven't it's seen great. it either. Yeah. So he plays the uh, in The Night of. That's my phone. He's the uh, young man that is arrested for murder, and he is a I think he's Pakistani in the the, the story of The Night of, and his acting in that was just you know everyone's reading about his acting, but his acting in this was just. I could I can now see why he was picked. He is one of the best actors on the scene, I think. Um I think across the board, like everybody really Everyone did their job. Came and did their job. And yeah. I guess maybe I'm just watching uh certain things and I was impressed with him before. That's why I'm sort of 
calling him out. But uh, when well, I love having you giving reaction to this because yeah. for me, in a lot of ways, because this isn't the Skywalker saga storyline, no, and these characters are quote unquote real people within this universe. Mm-hmm. I think it really required a different level of acting of the actors within this storyline. Um, because none of them are Jedi. No, you know, none of them have superpowers. They're, they're real people choosing to do the right thing or not do the right thing. Yeah. And in that way requires a completely different tool set Mm -hmm. than I think the traditional star Wars films have had. Yeah. Um, and I think they did a wonderful job. Yeah. Right, just across the board. Yeah. Um, everybody was hugely believable. Yeah. Even if their parts were small, yeah. like they all brought a depth to their characters that just, you felt the weight of everything. Yeah. E- even the, uh, the characters that were alien, that were not actual people or uh, those characters, I just felt real depth in what they were doing. Uh, and any, and this might wrap up any movie where towards the end, my jaw literally drops <laughs> and I go, holy that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, and I nearly welled up. It was so good. The moment, uh, moments in this movie. Um, that's what I know. This is, that's why I said this is the best uh, Star Wars movie that's been made. So I, I highly recommend this to anyone that likes a good story. It's not a, it's not just a sci-fi movie. It's not a Star Wars fan movie. It's a it's, war film. It's, it's, it's a war film. <laughs> there was, we see, finally got a real scenes, war film. It was like, okay, this is like the deep, this is like, this is what Ryan. I wanted. This is what I wanted attack of the clones <laughs> yeah, to be. Yeah. You know, yeah. like not yeah. the stupid yeah. fight arena thing that we ended up with, with yeah. a bunch of Jedi and yeah. nothing made any damn sense. No, this was a real gritty war film. It was a war movie. Boots on the ground, yeah. aerial battles, yeah. Yeah. you know, it was the stakes were real, right? Yeah. The stakes were entirely real. Yeah. There were consequences to choices that were yeah. made. Phenomenal. Yeah. Across and the board. We should also mention we saw this in 3D. And I got to say, I, I mean, I don't watch many movies in 3D, but I can't imagine not watching this in 3D. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it adds so much uh, amazement and wonder to the, to the screen. Well, <clears throat> I, I've said for a long time on the podcast, because there's people who, who really hate 3D. Yeah. My... I don't have a beef with 3D per se. My beef with 3D is when it's not utilized mm. well. Right. right. But they utilize the 3D well in this movie to give you that sense of expansion. When the adats are on the beach <laughs> and you're firing a, a small rocket at them, that 3D helps you feel that kind of massiveness of the walker mm. barreling down on you. You know? Like, yeah, all, all that's all where it's used really well. All the uh, space battles with the ships flying in and out, and yes. flying through can't ships. Can't imagine like, yeah, that, that, that is that's three yeah. D. Like that's on the bridge of the of the mm. yeah, <laughs> absolutely of the rebel oh. um, ship when they're looking down yeah. through the glass towards oh, the when they, towards uh, the planet. It's just like wow. Yeah. That's when three D is utilized really well, and I thought they did a good job with the with the with the three D in this film for sure problem with 3d it's like eight percent of the population their eyes aren't the average distance apart so they're not going to get the effect so they they have a hard time with the effect that's why some people get headaches or vertigo or whatever when they're watching 3d movies because their eyes 
their eyes don't line up quite right with the polarization. And obviously where you sit in the theater completely changes yes. how... If you're watching a 3D film, by God's sake, don't sit in the front row. Well, we saw this as a group, and it was nice that several, we saw it in different parts of the film, different parts of the theater, and now we get to wonder what, you know, what our perspectives, how they differed. I, I said, in a, you know, uh, just, what do you call that, uh, stage right? Mm-hmm. Or audience right, rather, I guess it would be. House right. House right. Um, towards the back. I think you were house left, closer to me, towards the front. To the I, I was closer to the middle. Yeah. Really? But, but towards the back, yeah. Okay. He was, he was house left. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, 3D is, is so dependent on sitting in the right place. It's, mm-hmm. it's, and a lot of people don't really realize that. They sit in the wrong spot. So if you're going to do 3D, pick a theater where you get to pick your seats. Yes. Be choosy about it. <laughs> yes. Sit to the middle and not towards the front. You want to sit about halfway or three quarters of the way back. You'll have a much better experience. I got French fries. Um, Thank you. Thank you very much. So story-wise, story okay, so uh, we're 17 minutes into the podcast, so I'm going to say this right now. We need your reaction, though. Yeah, we, we, we haven't had your reaction. Okay, yet. okay, okay. We'll do my reaction. I, 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 I forget. I forget that I didn't react. I agree with Merrick. I think it's the best Star Wars film made. And I talked about this a little bit with Jordan Jacobo of Jordan Hates in the lobby after we watched it. And he's like, mm, Empire, you know, like, eh, I got to hold Empire. And I said to him, I said to him very clearly, I said, look, take that shock and awe that we had as children of the I am your father out of that movie. It's just another good Star Wars movie. But we had that like two year, three year between the first film and that film and then like oh my god and then holding on to a tall return Mm -hmm. where you're like you're still sitting on that yeah and so i mean for us that that reveal and the consequences that reveal sustained us through our childhood for a long (laughs) time but you look at my nephews they've grown up with the original trilogy just as you know stuff they watch on disc and they you know that impact isn't there like they, they, that's just the way it's always been. Darth Vader's Luke's dad, like whatever. Mm-hmm. They never experienced that long pause <laughs> of wondering. And so it doesn't carry the weight. Did, did you show your, the nephews, what order did you, did you go to the original trilogy? Then the no, my nephews have literally just grown up with star Wars on the television. Just, just in the background period. So didn't really even Michael Logan, the 13 year old, the first movie he ever watched on TV um, was a Star Wars film. Um, gotcha. And it was the first things on TV that held his attention. But it was any Star Wars film. It didn't matter. Mm-hmm. He was watching that stuff before he could talk, before he could walk. <laughs> you know? I mean, we're at that generation now where these kids... It's everywhere. It's just everywhere. Right. And they've got all the cartoons and they've got everything else. So I don't think Empire carries the weight with the younger generation that it carries with us. And, I mean, to quote uh, Peter Parker in the last uh, Civil War, hey, have you ever seen that really old movie? <laughs> that, well, yeah, you know, and, you and, know and, and a lot of people poo-pooed that line in the movie but in Civil War, but it's true. true. I have, it I have just friends, doesn't carry the weight. I have friends who've 
who saw Star Wars for the first time in the last couple of years, but they're they're older. When they go back, they're like when they watch the prequels versus the originals. They're like, well, I like the the prequels better because the effects are better. I'm like you know, that's it's just a different mindset. Well, I think it's interesting. We're at a point now where there is literally a different Star Wars for each generation. Exactly. And to me, this film is probably the best of all the Star Wars films. If you take out our childhood nostalgia for the originals. Sure, Sure. I'd say that. If you just look at them purely from film standpoint. And as a standalone film. Like, like you know, like, and this is a crazy standalone film. It's not going to be revisited, right? <laughs> no, it's done. Yeah, it is done. It's a f- complete freaking story. story. One story, you're out, and it's wonderful. So that's my reaction. That's my initial reaction. It's wonderful. I love it. It's fantastic. Like you, I really don't have anything negative to say about it. Um, I know. A couple people in the lobby complained a little bit about some of the CG work, specifically on a couple of characters. Yep. Um, and I'm going to say now, if you don't want spoilers, shut it off now. Come back and listen to the rest of this podcast after you've seen the film. Five, four, three, two, one. Spoiler. Grand Moff Tarkin is fucking amazing. So good. And Randy Davison had issues with him, um, but I think it was more just like Randy couldn't wrap his head around the fact that he was watching Grand Moff Tarkin on screen, and so he was nitpicking what it looked like. The guy who plays him, is, his name is Guy Henry, but the CG that they used to age him and make him look like the A New Hope Grand Tarkin, but slightly younger, just slightly, is amazing. Yeah, it was incredible. It was incredibly done. Incredibly well done. And to Merrick's uh, point, the the character at the very, very end, um, the, the thing that made him well up and go, oh, the, the piece that ties this film completely into A New Hope, um, not as good as the Grand Moff Targon. It no. is true. Um, but for me, it doesn't change the emotional impact of seeing that character arrive in the final moments of this movie. And I actually felt like, like I anticipated that she was coming. I well, you, you and I talked about this a couple of days ago. Yeah. That I, I thought it would choose and you're like, oh, maybe they can get away without doing it. But. Yeah. I anticipated it. And I started to realize as I started to anticipate it, that it was in fact going to happen, that if it didn't happen, I'd feel cheated. I, I would have felt really cheated. Oh, if anyone doesn't realize, can we say we're going to go for it? Yeah, yeah, yeah we're in oh, yeah, territory we're now. So it's Leia. Um, the bridge opens, and you see the back of her in her white robe. And then you cut to a different camera angle where you see the side of her, but she still, you still can't see their face in the robe. I'm like, if they just do that, that I would have felt cheated. Because <laughs> then they would have not actually, they would have gotten away with. Knowing it's Leia, but not showing her face, I mean, I would have been so disappointed at that. But they went on to the CG face, and she but set a line, yeah. And it's um, that was a little bit. She was too perfect. 
her CG. Like, no wrinkles in the face. It was just, there was, that CG wasn't quite as good as, as Moth. Well, and I think the difficulty there is I think it's always more difficult to do a younger person's face than an older person's yeah. face. Because you can hide a lot of a lot of the weirdness in wrinkles and shadows and whatever. But you don't get that on a smooth younger person's face. Especially um the bend like right around the corners of the face, right? Where it's mm-hmm. it's too round almost on a on a perfect skin. But it was it was fantastic. Yep. And in no way is it a is it a downside for me. We're just talking about we're just talking about CGI Leia. CJ Leia. So I didn't think it was bad CJ Leia. And I, I thought I like how they tried to make it quick and not linger. I mean they did linger on the other character. I don't know if we're mentioning names. Did we do mm-hmm. that? We're, we're well. So uh um uh, it's Peter Cushing. Yeah. And uh they did the you know, they did a great job with him. Um and I I'm trying to figure out how they did that because Peter Cushing, he's a iconic acting legend in sci-fi and horror, you know, and you've seen him act. So I'm wondering if they studied his acting, his motions to get that. What were you talking about? That? Well, yeah, he, uh, he actually it's, I looked it up on IMDb. Okay, so it's, um, it's, well, all I know is the guy who played him, his name's Guy uh, Henry. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure exactly. How I read a little bit about CG him on goes. Nerdist today. Mm-hmm. Um, and they went through and tried to find an actor that could actually portray the mannerisms and stuff so it's not a 100% CGI character. Right, good. And so they were able to use his eyes and mm-hmm. and I think that's what but, makes him work better than the Leia one does. Okay. So we're we're bashing the Leia one is that what No, we're no, just saying <laughs> just saying that the Leia one I think has a harder time with the uncanny valley than the Grand Moff Tarkin one does. And we were saying it's easier to hide a lot of the imperfections of CGI on an older character mm-hmm. than a younger because of the wrinkles on the yeah. face and it allows you to give more shadow and yeah. contrast. Well, but that able- kind of young, smooth face, I think, lends itself to looking fake. But it, you had like two it, lines showing your face, I think, anyway. So Yeah, yeah. 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 So and that's what you're saying. They were they were they were judicial in their use of yeah. Leia. Um but I also felt like as I started to anticipate that she was coming. That sounded wrong. I didn't. That didn't dawn <laughs> until I realized what was going on. Because I'm like, wait, are they? Are they going to do the? Are they going to do the ship? Oh, no, wait a minute. Yeah, um, but as I anticipated they were going to show her, I was, was like, nice I was like, if they don't show her, I'll feel really cheated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a nice surprise. Because Mike and I talked about it the other day, a couple days ago, about whether or not they would go there. Yeah, it was yesterday. And, and, and Mike really felt like they would go there. And I was like, eh, it's 50-50. Like, I, you know, I could see them wanting to avoid that because it's too, you know, like, whatever. Well, I mean, But, yeah, the, the closer we got to the end guys, of the movie. I, 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 like, I made a point to not look up anything or try to research anything about the story or any of this. I knew that it was basically the people that found the. I have four point. nephews who have the internet. Right. There was no avoiding spoilers avoid. for me. So I went in want to keep that because I've been to movies and been disappointed because I had these high questions. didn't want that. And so I, I, I think I just had an awesome experience because I didn't try to research and find out everything about the movie before. You guys couldn't avoid it. I mean, you're, you're a journalist, you're a filmmaker, so you... you know, I luckily did a good job. Besides the trailers, mm-hmm. that's all I ever mm-hmm. saw. <coughs> so, yes. So you got that far about the CGI? Mm-hmm. 
Um, Did we talk about the Darth Vader scene yet? No, we haven't. Oh, Oh, dear God. (laughs) I guess the question there would be, which Darth Vader scene? Both were amazing. (laughs) So, so... There was a lot more Vader in this than I expected. Yeah. When I heard there was only going to be maybe five minutes, it turned out, well, yeah, maybe, but there was really well done, perfectly done. And uh, we know that James Earl Jones is, what, 80? I don't know how. I mean, maybe they use sound adjustment. I don't know what, how he keeps the voice. It was a little off, I felt I like, mean, at a certain time. I didn't think it was off. Because actually, if you go back and watch the original trilogy, James Earl Jones's Vader voice gets deeper and darker mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. the as the movies go on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in the first movie, it's pretty high-pitched. Yeah, You're right. You're right. I hadn't right. even it, thought of this that. Matched it. And mm-hmm. this matched it. I, I was like, mm-hmm. wow. It does match it. <laughs> It is to the point where you can watch and I, this and then watch. Yeah, you'll go hope, right into right New in Hope and it'll fit in just fine. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's stellar. Mm-hmm. And I don't think a lot of people caught that because a couple people were like, hey, his voice seemed a little different. No, that's his no. Voice. Go now, back and watch now that New you hope. say that. I totally understand that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's really it's like attention to detail. Yes. Cool. And even oh, there his was mask so is more many. like New Hope because as the other episode, his his eyes are darker. It mm-hmm. was shaded out. Yeah. Well, that's I never I never understood why you know some things. Why sometimes you see the red in his mask? I always thought there was black, especially 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 as you get later on, like in Return of the Jedi, they're just pretty much black. But but New Hope, there it's it's a lighter. When I I went back and watched New Hope two days, you can actually see his eyes. You can totally see his eyes in the red. I'm like, I never caught that as a kid. Yeah. Yep. And if you go back to Revenge of the Sith, oh, that, that's, putting, that's they're putting the one, it on him. The first time they I are red lenses. You, that's the first time I really noticed it was red. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, they were very good at the little things. Oh, there's so on many. On such a big movie, they were very good so at the little things. There so many great things. little details and Easter eggs throughout this entire thing. Mm. Mm-hmm. You're right. And, uh, and we'll talk about the other movie, but I will say that the Darth Vader scene where he takes out the, the team of rebels. I haven't seen, I mean, you know, we've seen Darth Vader in all these movies. We've never really seen him kick ass like in a, in a battle scene, you know? Yeah, because at the end of Revenge of the Sith was when he became fighting, Darth Vader right. and he, he wasn't was fighting. fighting the other guy. This is where he just, I mean, it was this the is, This thing. is, unless you've watched Rebels, this is, yeah. the, this is the Vader we've all yes. wanted. Yes. Well, and that's an, that's an interesting thing to to mention is rebels, because about halfway through this movie, I was thinking this is way more along the storytelling lines of what we're seeing in in Star Wars television right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, with the lore, the Jedi lore, regular people fighting the battles, and occasionally coming across someone like Vader. <laughs> you know, and and just being like, what do we do? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, what does a normal person do against someone like Darth Vader? The fear in the rebellion's eyes as he's coming down. The and how about aisle. that reveal? You oh, hear no. you hear his breathing in the dark, and then so he, so he, I was, illuminated I was, I was only by his blade. Yeah, was I was awesome. expecting I was expecting you know the door to crush yeah, in, but nope, it's just him, just just, him. just 
dark and just you hear the breathing, you hear him stepping. And yeah, then I was waiting for the door to explode <laughs> open too. And, but the way, the way they chose to do that was so much better. Oh, Perfect. God. And then absolute hell breaks loose. And if you've ever played any of the star Wars video games, like force awakens or not, uh, sorry. Um, star killer. What's the, um, force unleashed unleashed. Thank you. Um, this is that Vader that we've all wanted to see, and he just unleashes hell in this small little hallway. Yeah. And yeah. Force chokes a guy up into the ceiling, holds him there, slices him in half with a lightsaber. Oh, jeez. Blocks, oh. lights, blocks, oh blasters. It's so amazing. Yeah, uh, the guy pinned up against the roof was what uh, did it for me. I'm yeah. like, that's the Vader that I yeah. want to see. Like, Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know I haven't watched any of the uh, the TV series stuff, but uh, that was uh, that's 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 the only one could be worth seeing the whole damn movie. <laughs> well, the TV series stuff is really interesting, and there were Easter eggs to the TV to, yeah. to Rebels within yeah. within this movie. But um, and actually, Forrest Whitaker's character was originated in the Clone Wars cartoon. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, so he's the first person to portray one of the animated characters. Into one of the live action no, it was, films. It was Rebels. Was, cool. was this? No, was, it, was, was Clone it Clone Wars? Wars? It was Clone Wars. Okay. Yeah. So here's what I saw um, about. Oh, that's right. The very, it was like the very last season of Clone Wars or yeah, something. Yeah. So watching Forrest Whitaker and just as an actor, and I've seen him do this tonight, and I saw, uh, if you've ever seen uh, the new Magnificent Seven with Denzel Washington, there's uh, Vincent D'Onofrio plays a character, and he does this high pitched country voice in that. And I thought it's an interesting choice for him to do that, and it played well. Horace Whitaker kind of does that too in this. He has this high pitched voice in it. That's not his normal talking voice at all. But it plays well. It's like this is another skill as an actor that he's doing. Is uh, a lot of actors. I mean, even I have to reach that level myself. I approach it with generally the same tone, but it'll be an emotional level that I might change. But I don't. You know, I'm not skilled as fine tuned as well. Well, I think a lot of that is confidence in an actor. Mm-hmm. You know, because like to make a choice like that. Mm-hmm. Is is saying to yourself, I'm confident that I can pull off something yeah. beyond my everyday. Yeah. And you know, I, I, he, you know, he's still doing his own portrayal of it, but he's also got a character that's already based in the lore. In the TV series, so is in the lore, exactly. So, uh, I think he had fairly normal, well, higher than Forrest Whitaker's voice, mm-hmm. but just a normal pitched voice. Mm-hmm. I'd have to go back and watch, but. Yeah. But he's also a character who's been through a ton since yeah. he was on Clone Wars, right? And, and he, even and he was even radical and he was even extremist, in, and even in this, I think the difference between him when he first rescues Jin, you know, he's bald and just yeah, come here, you know, yeah. I'm here to help you. To crazy, I'm don't trust anyone. I'm going to use this crazy monster to, from, uh, <laughs> to brainwash to Apocalypse Now sort of type character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, It's interesting that you reference Apocalypse Now Mm -hmm. because yes, again, this is a war movie. War movie. It was. I thought, and it had those kinds of stakes. All the characters. It was like these beach fight scenes, explosions, the aircraft. It was characters are going through PTSD. All the war room stuff Mm -hmm. where they're debating what they should do. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, they've got this huge weapon. Like we should just throw in the towel. No, we need to attack, and they can't agree, and like. And, and, and that was, felt like a real war room where people just can't come to an agreement what, on something. What I found interesting about that is, you know, they decided 
in the movie. No, okay, we're sorry, we aren't all on unanimous vote. So then Jin and their team decide just screw it, we're just gonna go out and do it our own thing. There's no real, I expected a plan. Like, okay, this is what we're going to do. Nope, we're just going to go in by the seat of our pants, and <laughs> yeah. there wasn't a big plan of how we're going to take this thing out and get the plans. It just happened. There's a little bit of one, but it's not There much. were rebels. Yeah. <laughs> no, also the... Uh, and actually, female- if you watch the cartoons, the rebel cartoon, that's how everything is in the rebel cartoon. Right. They're constantly just running off and doing stuff and then figuring it out. Did... Did any because I know we talked about this a little, a little bit yesterday at Disney. I heard like the last couple episodes really possibly tied in to Rogue One. Did they end up doing that, or as much as people were thinking? Or I will say that the Jimmy Smith's conversation with Mon Mothma in this movie is very similar to conversations that happened in the mid-season finale of, of Rebels this this season. Cool. So, is it a direct tie-in? No. Are they talking about the same character? Yes. Yeah, and I, I like the... Supposedly, the ghost ship is in the Rebellion hangar somewhere, but over the intercom at one point, you hear uh, someone asking for a journal, uh, Sindula, which is the captain in Rebels. Mm-hmm. Like, I caught that one. That was one of my first Easter eggs I caught. <laughs> um. Man. Another thing, too, um, and I, I haven't seen episode four recent enough to tell, but the woman that plays the main commander of the rebel forces at the at the war table, the, the Mon Mothma, she, she's the younger version of the actress that's in. Um, Mon Mothma didn't appear in the original trilogy until Return of the Jedi. Um, she's the one who uttered uh, many Bothan spies yeah. died to bring us this information. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's playing that character. Right. And it's the same actress who played her in the prequels. So, wait a minute then. Because I thought in episode four they said many Bothas died to bring these No, that's a Return of the Jedi quote. Really? Mm-hmm. For the second Death Star. But that's not for the first? Nope. Because you never have that conversation. Because Leia already has the plans and she's working and then they get to Yavin and they immediately start deconstructing, and Luke hops in the X-Wing, and off they go. Okay, so I do remember that scene where, that when she says the mini has died, this is where Hantel's already in with them, and he's not going to fight, she's mad, she's like, oh, you're just going to leave? Is that is that what happens at this, or he's part of this? You know what I'm no, saying? That, there, there's a scene where they're planning, and she's mini That died. That is Yavin 4, but the mini died, but never happens there. You're thinking of Han coming up to Luke... And having a conversation with him in the bay on Yavin 4. Where he's he's just collecting the money. He's like, he's done. He's packing all his stuff up. And Luke's like, like, so you're just going to leave? Yeah. Yeah, Got your money and you're going to go? Right. Right. And and Han says, yeah. She said that line. I'm positive. Absolutely positive. Jedi? 100% positive. And it's for the second one. So now I'm confused. Yeah, because they're standing in the war room in Jedi. And you've got the projector, the hologram of Endor uh-huh. and the second Death Star in orbit around it and that shield generator putting the shield around it. Yeah. And they're going through all the stuff. Okay. And then she's talking about the gravity of the whole situation. And then she very melodramatically goes, many Bothans died yes. to bring us this information. So 
All right, so now you got to tie it because I'm confused. Because how would this be the same plans for the second Death Star? They didn't change any of the plans then? They just rebuilt no, it? No, the second Death Star had a completely yeah, yeah, different yeah, reactor exactly. system. They actually had to fly all the way into the core in right. the second Death yeah, Star. True. This one, they just they had to hit the exhaust port. Yeah. So then, what were these? And things? I love that they turned that into an intentional design flaw. Yep. <laughs> After all of our debates growing up. What idiot makes it so susceptible well, yeah, to the, destruction? The, uh, what is it? The Family Guy series? It's, like, it's, per, it's Wait, you studied. What happened? Well, it's nothing. Really? No, let's hear it. Well, there's this one little thing where if you blast into it, it the whole thing blows up. But it's, it's like, what? But it's, it's just such a small thing. It's like it's nearly impossible. I mean, you, you have to be able to hit a womp rat at full speed to hit it. They're like, can we cover it with plywood or something? Plywood? It looks terrible. <laughs> oh, so great. Um, so funny. <laughs> all right, so now I've got to rewatch, apparently, the first trilogy. Yeah. But I'm this gonna... film is basically based entirely off of one sentence in the opening crawl of A New Hope. Yep. Okay. Where it says, a band of rebel spies have stolen the plans to the Empire's secret weapon, okay. the Death Star. Yes. And that's what this. I thought and this was based. That's I the whole, honestly the whole movie's based on that this line. This is based on Mini Both has died to get you these plans. A lot of people have thought that. Yeah, no. that's what I thought. So these aren't even the Bothans then that you No. About. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. So Dude. there could be a whole. There's the Rogue Two story. <laughs> there's another. There's Rogue. the Jedi team. Yes, they'll they'll do the sequel based on the Bothans to get the plans for the second. Yeah, they could do that. Yeah. Because that could be a completely different that could kind be, of story. I, don't know, I early thought about they could probably do a series just on Force Whitaker's character unless they've already done it in the TV series. Well, he was in like f- like a, a story arc within okay. Clone Wars and okay. then disappeared. And okay. okay. Then they announced him in this movie and a lot of people were like, wait a minute. Could he be possibly, you know, looking at his outfit and stuff? Like, mm-hmm. could, he, could he maybe mm-hmm. possibly, you know... As little story details started to leak out, they're like, he's got to be, you know, all the people who are way into it more than me. Yeah. But uh, I just think it's cool that somebody's like actually taking a character that was originated in the animated series and bringing them into the live action. I think that's incredibly cool. Yeah. That ties everything together so, so nicely. Yeah. I would love Um, to see a live action Ahsoka. Yeah, we'd all like to see a live action. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so yeah. the story also uh, talking about the different way it was told. Um, Very yeah. different. No opening crawl. No opening Which crawl. Blew but, me away. Which I understand why they did it, but literally in the middle or the beginning of the film, lights go out. You see Lucasfilm. And then it just starts. No, it starts in space. did say a long time ago. In a oh, sorry. Yes. It's, it's, yes, you're right. And then it starts. does that, and then, but then it just goes to a planet. Yeah. Not the, the st- no crawl. Not even the Star Wars. Like that, I was at least just expecting that. Yep. But nope, it just goes straight to a planet. And I literally went, what? In the middle of the yeah. <laughs> theater? <laughs> yeah. Didn't do that. The uh, others, the trilogy tended to have a you know, happy ending type back to it. And this didn't happen. This had, no, they all died. And, uh, well, and I'm, I'm glad you bring that up. Yeah. Cause I, I had mentioned like six months ago on the podcast that I felt like the only thing that would redeem this film and make it a good borderline great film would be for this team not to survive yeah. because we never see them 
and they're not not even really talked about. No, you know, in the rest of the deal. So what happened to that team? Like, if you're going to tell the story of this team, they had to give the ultimate sacrifice, getting those plans out. Yeah. And I held out hope that that was going to be the case, but I never believed Disney would allow it to go there. Right. It's a Disney film. I really didn't believe Disney would let Lucasfilm do that. And even Lucasfilm, like under George Lucas's leadership in the prequels, that's part of what I think hurt the prequels was his inability to... Let it really off. let it go yeah. there because he was a dad at that point yeah. and he wanted to soften it and keep it a kid's film oh, and whatever. This is not a kid's like movie. the uh, Jedi film originally being Revenge of the Jedi and they said, no, it's got to be returned because bad guys get revenge. They were trying to just make it so... Yep. Right. So it's things like that he was doing and the whole who drew first, Han or what's his name? <laughs> Greedo. So, so that was like part of George Lucas's influence to doing that? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, this happened here. This was this was just a this was a good, good damn good gritty war film yeah. set in the Star Wars universe, which is amazing. Yeah, with a great female lead, fantastic female lead. Yeah. Uh, Felicity Jones is Jen Erso. Mm-hmm. Um, really, actually had to tap into some real emotions, mm-hmm. like especially towards the middle of the movie, like. Yeah. Like the only thing I've seen, ever seen her in was you really had to feel what she was going through. Yeah, the second Spider Man. <laughs> so even then, she had just a small little cameo, right? Mm-hmm. So another uh, character that's kind of unsung we haven't talked about is the uh, the droid. What's his name? K K two S O. Oh, he's so good. Played by Alan Tudyk. So it's a droid that a twist on the R two D two isn't the prim and proper etiquette protocol droid. This guy's just. I, I think if you if you mixed C three he's, he's a snarky if, droid. He's snarky. <laughs> well, that's if, if you mixed C three PO with R two, this is yes. kind of the character you get. Yes, I agree. That's true. Because you get R two, who is a sassy little droid. Yeah. That if you could talk, this would be that character. Yes. Yes. Good, and everyone loved him. Everyone loved him. Yeah, much well, he had the best lines in oh, the he movie. The, he, was, he was the comic relief. <laughs> like across the, the board, the best lines in the movie. All right, with the exception of um, the blind um, mystic. Um, it's Ch- Donnie, Donnie Yen? Uh, yeah, Donnie, Donnie Yen. Mm-hmm. I don't remember his character's name. It's like Chitty. 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 Um, when they put the bag over his head, he's like, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm blind. Yes. <laughs> I gotta think they might have ADR that, but yes, that was hilarious. That was very good. You know, that gets back to the thing that I've been saying about like the Marvel movies over the DC films Mm -hmm. is little moments like that is what brings humanity to characters Mm -hmm. and makes you go, I relate to that person and I care about that person, you know? Um, and I, I bring it up all the time. The little exchange between Spider-Man and Captain America in Civil War tells you volumes in about the, mid- those, the middle of them those fighting. two characters. Yeah, Bronx and yeah, you got heart, kid. Where are you from? <laughs> you know, I'm from the Bronx, huh? Brooklyn. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and he runs off. <laughs> you know, and it's like centuries apart. <laughs> but that is a human moment, right? Right. And the idea that this blind guy is amused or bewildered by these guys throwing a bag over his head yes. is a human moment. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I love that. That's that's just a little thing that tells volumes about character, you know, like yeah. in the midst of getting, you know, kidnapped or arrested, he still finds the humor in life, <laughs> you know, yeah. or the irony in what, what his situation is. And I think that 
that makes them relatable. Yeah. So even though they're in Star Wars and they're on alien planets and they're surrounded by crazy creatures and giant machines and stuff, you still have that human moment, that moment that allows you a, a window in, you yeah. know? And I think that's good storytelling. Yeah. Um, and I thought that, I thought they did a great job. Like, these are characters we didn't know before. By the middle of the film, I gave a crap. Mm-hmm. I did. I really gave a crap. Mm-hmm. Like, I wanted to see them succeed. Yeah. I yeah. My biggest thing going into this was um, Gareth Edwards, the mm. director. I was worried about what I, he after, what's, after tell me the, story? the new God, Godzilla. After, after he did the last Godzilla, which was a awful, awful movie. Why do they keep trying to make those? <laughs> That's what, what I heard he was doing. American like, oh Godzilla films don't work. No. I was just like, whoa, what are they thinking? And then he does something like this, and it's perfection. Yeah. it's So um, the uh, visually, you know, the, um, the space wars, the fight scenes – um, on the planet. So I loved that the moment where they decide these ships, the big uh, Star Destroyer gets disabled, and they use a smaller ship to push, push it, it into the other one. Uh, that that's brilliant. That's something new that we haven't seen in any mm-hmm. other films before. How that how does that normally work? And that's a physicality of of the spaceships. Yeah, you know, like yeah. Like, and then they use that crash to destroy the uh, the shield and to get the transmission out. Also, yeah. just great writing on this story, you know? Um, Script is everything, and it paid yeah. off. Yeah. Well, I was worried about that, too, because they, they had said that they were they went back in and rewrote the script and did a bunch of reshoots. Oh, really? And, you know, there was a lot of talk on the internet about a year ago. Oh, really? Where, you know, fans and stuff who follow everything got a little twitchy. Was this after... Um Force Awakens came out? Or, yeah. Or? Yeah. After Force Awakens came out, they went back and tweaked the script a bit. And, you know, the rumor was that they were, you know, Disney was unhappy with how dark it was and they were, they were going to lighten it up a bit. And, you know, mm-hmm. but I don't know. It didn't feel like they lightened anything up. Felt, felt. So here's my felt question. real. You're right. Real. So I didn't get at the very beginning, the opening scene when the scientist and his wife, they're being, He's being uh, taken by the uh, the the, uh, the empire. Why does his wife come out? Why did she hide and run? Why did she come out? Didn't he say go run, take the kid? Why is she showing Plot up? Plot advancement. That, that really <laughs> angered me at the very beginning. I'm like, why are you there? It's stormtroopers. You know what's going to happen. You're not getting out of this. Yeah, I think she thought she'd be able to kill him and they'd be able to get away. Really. <laughs> So that that is the only part that I was angry about. Star by. that's what but that is the part that makes it a Star Wars movie. Okay. Cuz parents make really dumb decisions in Star Wars. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Aunts and uncles too. Yes. <laughs> you know, like caretakers in general yeah. make really bad choices in Star Wars movies. Yeah. Um, yeah. The actor that plays the scientist, I, I like him. He was in a he was Mads a Bond I think I saw him as a Bond villain last in, in uh, one of the James Bond. Movies. He was in uh, Casino Royale. Right? Was it Casino Royale? Yes. Yeah, Casino yes, Royale. Yes. He was in um, Doctor Strange, too, yep. right? And then... Uh, Two Disney films, back-to-back, this fall. Uh, where else? He's been in King Arthur. Yeah. Um, it's a weird he's, reality he's, where, he's where Star over. Wars and Marvel are all Disney properties. Yeah. And it's yeah. wonderful. <laughs> They're doing a good job. Yeah, also, on acting notes, too, on these guys. So, I've been reading a lot about 
and lately there's a lot of articles come out about the uh, the big actors, the stars now, and how they all got their start in theater. So I'm watching a lot of the actors theater, and I can tell these are actors that got their start in theater. The way they talk, the way they can. I mean, yes, they do the British thing, but that British theater thing is because the British thing that they do on screen is because they did that on stage in England. And uh, I even saw, I recently was watching a, it was a Shakespeare story, I forget, but it was Denzel Washington in it, along with uh, Emma Watson. Who's the, uh, no, the, uh, the people that are in Love Actually are in this. And there's Denzel Washington, I forget the name. It's like a Shakespeare movie. But he's, in, he's doing it. So, and Denzel's a big proponent of doing theater work and getting your start in theater. And uh, the articles I've read talked about how a lot of these big stars now, they do theater for like 10, 20 years. You know, and that's how, and they went on to become film actors after they did some stuff on Broadway. And all these people that are winning the awards now are actors that were doing theater for years and years and years. So I can, I can see how, I can, I can tell that's the influence when I watch them on screen. Uh, I'm not a person that's done theater for years and years and years. <laughs> I've done theater, but I'm not... A theater actor. You are not a classically trained I'm theater classically actor. Cra- I'm more like a classically trained screen actor, <laughs> if anything. So, uh, but uh, people say that, oh yeah, you know, get your start on theater. But if you work in the business, you know that you can't do the same types of things you do on stage, on screen. You cannot be as big. You have well, to basically retrain yourself. To yes, and smaller no. for the screen. Yes, and no. <clears throat> if you're doing a straight up drama. Mm-hmm. I agree. You've got to you got to pull it back, be a bit more subtle. Mm-hmm. But when you're doing sci-fi, sci-fi lends itself to stage actors okay. better than traditional dramas do, okay. because there's something and, and comic book movies too. I think mm-hmm. there's something Machiavellian about the the, the villains. Mm-hmm. There's something melodramatic about the situations. So that's why and like, everything's bigger than that's real why, like, life. Dune and Excalibur are so good because they're all these yeah. actors that are yeah. <laughs> but but they're they're portraying mm-hmm. more grandiose than real life situations. Yeah. Whereas I think if you're a classically trained theater actor and you're supposed to do something smaller, mm-hmm. where we're doing just a scene, you and me across the table right, right. here like this, right. I think the classically trained theater actor is going to be too big in this moment. Sure. <clears throat> so my advice so, is But that so much of the movies we're doing today are these big tentpole films and, sure. and whatnot. And I think, I think a lot of the stage actors are getting a lot of work in film because of that mm-hmm. and are then able to parlay that kind of recognition that they're getting from doing the big films into the little dramas that they want to go and do. Sure. And, and then they don't, they don't act the same in the little dramas as no. they're doing in the sci-fi and the comic book and whatever. No. The thing about, uh, studying theater. So actors, I think theater experience is very important for a lot of reasons as an actor. Uh, and I think that with everything you train for as an actor, you want to take what's useful for you works best for you um, but people tend to forget that how important theater is even as an actor especially when you're starting out when you don't have any credits theater is what you want to have on your resume that's what the agents and casting people are looking at mm-hmm. when they see that you haven't been on a TV show or a major film um, they want to see how how many theater shows you've done what theater have you done 
Well, I think one of the things about theater um, is it's an opportunity to exist within a character for an extended period of time right. and really explore the story of the sure. character, really explore the, the persona. Yeah. Whereas film acting, you're in and out. Oftentimes you get the script the day you shoot. Mm-hmm. You have like 10 minutes with the lines of dialogue. Mm-hmm. Bam, you shoot it and you move on. You don't have a lot of time to just exist within the body well, of that, that person. That, I you think know? that mainly applies to more short films. I think when you get into the bigger feature-length films, then yeah, you see, Denzel Washington is another actor like that. Uh, Al Pacino does that. Where they they really just I mean they'll they'll do research and spend time. Uh, being yeah, they're afforded the luxury character. at they the, the luxury level that at they're that at. level. Yeah, but. Even in the $10 million range, $20 million range films where they shoot for like 15 days, they're not getting that kind of time. No. You know? So I think where theater helps is you build a tool set Mm -hmm. of, I've explored characters similar to this guy before, Mm -hmm. and you got the ability to kind of tap into previous experiences portraying characters like that. And getting to what we were saying about Forrest Whitaker you know, affecting a different vocal style. Um, mm-hmm. I think some of that comes from that kind of lengthy training where you've been able to explore and, and learn your physicality, learn your vocality. Mm-hmm. And it's just a tool set. It's something you can tap into. You have right. the confidence to tap into it because you existed in that yeah. frame set for a long time in theater. Yeah. And you had that opportunity to do that in theater that you're just not afforded Certainly not in television. No, you know where production is super fast, <laughs> yeah. right? One day I'll be able to tell you my experience working on a soap opera <laughs> <laughs> and how fast that is. How fast they—I mean—they go through so many episodes in a day. Yeah. And these actors that are regulars on the show, they—and you know—you get Max. How come they Northern Lines? Well, they just got the script like two hours ago. And they got this huge paragraphs of dialogue to go over and get down, and they do it. <laughs> And they have to do it and move on. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, it's just stunning. It's stunning the way they can do that. Yeah. So people bag on soap opera acting and they forget that it's it's so fast paced. You can't you the actors don't have time to give these deep research, you know, moments. I mean unless the regulars maybe they've done that character for a while, but it, it comes off as being bad because they haven't really had the time to really dive into what's being said, the dialogue. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, 40, 40 years ago this coming summer. That's what I thought. <laughs> Nerd alert! Um... What did you think of the villain in this one? Um, the main guy? Yeah. I liked him. Um, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say about the villain. because What was his character's name? I can't remember. Space. Well, I'm tired. <laughs> um... Because, of course, Vader, 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 well, Vader's in it. Grandma Tarkin's in it. Um, but it is... Hang on, I'm pulling up IMDb. And what's the actor's name, too? Because 
I want to make sure we we mention him. Krennic. Krennic. Orson Krennic. Yeah. And his name is Ben Middleson. Um, I thought he was, he did really well. Um, it was interesting, his motivation, I feel like. Yeah. He just want you know, he wanted to build a superpower and he obviously wanted to show it off. Um, but when you never understood where his character lied compared to New Hope. That was like, okay, where is this guy fitting in? Well, because New Hope, you know that Moff Tarkin is in charge of the Death Star. Then, when after the first test... But, but they already established Moff Tarkin was in charge of the Death Star at the end of Revenge of the Sith, too. Well... So... And they even alluded to that, too, in Tarkin saying, I'm going to come back and take it over again. Well, af- cool, after... <laughs> yeah, Sorry. yeah, you don't want to stay with us because we're spoiling. <laughs> um, sure. Uh, but at the same time, you know, he's in charge of overseeing the entire thing. Mm-hmm. And... But even, you know, the Moff's, te- you know, having them, all right, you're going to test this thing right now. And then, um, you know, and then you got Vader who are, who's breathing down Krennic's neck also. But at the same time, when after the test goes great, um, you know, Moff's going to be there to take over and take all the pride away from Krennic. So Krennic goes to cry to Vader like, hey, you know. No, I want my power. Um, and then he gets force choked, which I, then I like the little quit, the little pun. <laughs> don't choke on your <laughs> your ambitions. Your, your ambitions. Um, but it was, I thought it was really well done um, to see where he lied in compared to Moth. Mm-hmm. Still wasn't the greatest villain, but it was enough to. Well, I think I think it expanded on the empire for me. Yeah, the organization of the empire. We always joke around about the guys who died on the Death Star, you know, who were just janitors right. or whatever else. But we forget that it's a it's a military organization, and within the military organization, there are the guys who have ambitions. There are the guys who want to move their careers forward, and he was very much one of those guys, and he was willing to annihilate whole planets to advance his career. Like that's how messed up this guy is in my, you know, in my view. I got so distracted. Half his ambition, what I was talking about there. His ambition is so high. Well, I like, I you know, I that, like that. Uh, unlike a lot of the villains who they have the troopers there to, to guard and do the fighting for them. And you'd stand back and, you know, do their villainy uh, monologues. This guy was getting in there. No, no, so this guy, he was, uh, he he'd get in there, he'd kick butt. He was fighting. He was pulling out his blaster just like every, all the troopers, fighting people off. So I like that about uh, him. I like the the. I always like. I guess one of my favorite parts about the Star Wars and having the Darth Vader character in the first trilogy is that everyone's afraid of him. <laughs> and you have the moment here too where they go to see him and they're just terrified of Darth Vader, and they all kind of, you know, kind of cringe and. Uh, they all just get really, uh, you know, they, they close themselves up when he comes out. He's just an intimidating Lord, Lord Vader. And he just pulls it off. And uh, the moment where he tries to, you know, buck for a promotion, I was like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, buddy. 
where I, she saw Mustafar, right? Allegedly, I, again, that was, <laughs> I loved. I loved that whole conversation between uh, Krennic and Vader. Yep, because Vader's position within the Empire is always a little weird. Mm-hmm. You know, because he's not. He's not a general. He's, he's technically, not, I guess he's technically not second in command the, of the Emperor. He's the right hand of the Emperor, but he's not He's not, in com- he's he's not, not technically command. in command. He's like on and you line. even see that in yeah. A New Hope. Yeah. You know, Vader, release him. Right. You know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like you had to listen to Grand right. Moff Tarkin. Yes, yes. Because he's not, in the end, a military leader. He's a spiritual leader sense, yes. of the Sith. Right. You know, which... All these years down the road, no other Sith, no other Jedi. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. who is he really? Yeah. You know, he's just this big badass ball of terror. Is yeah. all, all he is. You know. Yeah. When that lightsaber ignites in the hallway, <laughs> yeah. You know, you could sense those guys pissing their pants. Yeah. Like that was the emotion that came well, in that hall. It was. I, it, it was so yeah, great. It, it just a perfectly crafted scene of. The darkness, and then you hear him breathe, and then you're like, "Oh, what's going to happen?" You don't know. Mm-hmm. As a new person seeing this, and then boom, he comes up with his lightsaber. Like, and holy shit! We've it's never to out. and we've finally we've never seen Vader move like that. Yeah, in that suit, right? And that's what we've right. always wanted to see. All going to see him kick ass, and he. Did it's it. the stuff we've always. It's always been alluded to. It's always been kind of talked about. The most even when he even Jedi when he's fighting Luke and Empire, you feel like he's holding back. You know, right. like. Like, he should be better than that, you know? And by the time you get to Jedi, you know, Luke's just younger and stronger than him at that point, you know? Like, I don't think right. Luke's even better than him. I just think yeah. Vader at that point's kind of exhausted, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, and it's, and it's in emotional term, turmoil. Well, and, you know, then that's the point of him in the suit. Had he beaten or at least escaped with half of his body you know against obi-wan he may have possibly been the most powerful sith but no he's constrained in this bodysuit that constrains his movement his power it's a torture device mm-hmm. that's exactly what it is yeah well designed by the emperor exactly because right? he to doesn't... sustain his life but right. not necessarily give him Extra, you right, know, because the emperor still wants to be the most powerful. The emperor is smart, you know. Sith are they always usurp each other, right? right. <laughs> you know? What better way to keep your uh, apprentice down, yep, than to create the thing that keeps him alive, also keeps him neutered. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, I was watching the ships too a lot in this, and they matched, you know, the uh, new hope with certain ships, certain ships I hadn't seen before. So, I'm there were a that. lot of new ships, yeah. And there were some ships, um, what I really like, there was a small TIE fighter that was very close to the, the Jedi, Jedi fighters. fighters. Yeah. Kind of round, but a little bit of the TIE look to it. Um, yeah, you know, with the, a little bit of the nose that Obi-Wan... The TIE and, blades were down yep. in a Delta formation instead of... Yep. So they, the they, they had ships that went, that totally merged between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope, and it was really mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, it's good to see. I love that they did... And I know that uh, family has if still was going to do another take on the green leaders, you know, the, the series, the check-in. Yeah. <laughs> the fighter team check-in. Yeah. Red leaders standing by. Green leaders standing by. Gold leaders standing by. <laughs> well, and they did a good job of CGIing all those oh. guys, too. Because no, no, no. <coughs> yeah. those guys all looked like the guys from New Hope. 
Yeah, so Gold Leader and Red Leader from A New Hope are in this. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. See, this is what you do in the podcast with nerds. Yep. know this stuff. Yeah. It and, was, and, <laughs> and Red, I mean, Red Leader standing by. I was like, oh. Gold <laughs> Leader standing by. Oh. And there's a, there's a Red 5 pilot. Yeah, Red that 5 dot, bites it. And, she, and, <laughs> and I'm like, she there's bites. an opening for Red 5. Yep. And that's Luke becomes Red 5. Wow. Yeah. yeah, it was awesome. Magic. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Details. It's the Details. small details. And the, ca- the cameo from the two from the cantina in yeah. Moss Eisley. Yeah. Awesome. You, yes. caught, you caught that, right? Yes, that's true. I did catch that. <laughs> hey, you watch yourself. I'm again. wanted in nine galaxies. Again. Yeah. Oh, God. We've got the death sentence on 12 systems. Yeah, 12 systems. That's it. Okay. <laughs> There are so many little cameos and Easter eggs in this. Oh my god, it was so good. So this is, uh, you know, I and I think what's good too is that I, I haven't seen, and I've seen all of them. I don't think I've seen one that just really sad. I thought it's gratifying for all. No one, I don't think anyone has is going to. I mean, other than what the CGI, I heard one person, oh, I like this, you know, the CGI, blah blah. No, this this is an excellent film across the board. Well done. You ever, you ever pick apart the others, um, but this is the one that, no, of the new, as far, I'm not talking about the new series since the first trilogy, that everyone just scoffed and beat up. This is one I don't think really anyone could beat up about anything. You know? Yeah. Of the three, four, of the five non-original trilogy films, it's definitely the best of those five. And I would, I would argue it's, it's the best of all nine or eight. This technically is eight. <laughs> yeah, it's like I said in the beginning. It's, I have nothing bad to say about it. Um, and kudos to Michael uh, Michael Giacchino for a great score. Mm-hmm. First thing we've heard that's not not a John Williams, not John Williams for a main uh, movie. I was reading online today. I guess Alex and I thought I remember ha- having read it before that Alexander. Desplot was going to score this film, but he had to step away, or he stepped away for some reason a while back. And I, I guess Giacchino came in and scored this in four weeks. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't wait to like stream the soundtrack tomorrow. Um, I've been waiting all week, and I finally read on the news today. They're, they're, they're not releasing it until tomorrow. Until tomorrow, yeah. We were just talking about the score. The um, music. Oh, the music. First non-John Williams oh, Star Wars soundtrack. No, they yeah. seem to incorporate the traditional... It, a little bit, you know, a couple... Like, you, 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 you hear a little bit of Imperial the themes, March. There was a little bit of Imperial. Mm-hmm. There was a little bit of, uh, you know, but it was, it was just a good Star Wars score mm-hmm. without having to have all the fanfare. Mm-hmm. Right. Hmm. Did he do Star Trek? The new, the new. He did. Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, yeah. and he yeah, did a great Michael job. Jake, you know, J.J. Abrams's composer hmm. did did this score. Okay, and I'm assuming he did Lost. Yep, Lost and Alias and all that stuff. Mission Impossible yep. Four, uh, three, three. Hmm. I think he might have done four as well. Okay. Um. Yeah. So, other than Forrest Whitaker, Jimmy Smith, I'm trying to think of like well-known actors. 
that are in this. You know, it's Forrest Whitaker, it's Jimmy Smith. So you might say the guy that plays the uh, lead scientist from the Bomb movie. He's kind of well known, not really. Mads Mikkelsen. Um, who else? Um, the guy from the Night of. He's not really well known, so I can't count him. He's he's. This is I think will propel him even more than the Night of probably has. Excited to see him in the what movie. Else have, what else has Diego Luna been in? He's been I've never seen him in anything. I, I don't think... Because I, I recognize him, but yeah. I'm like, I can't put my finger on where. No. But uh, <laughs> Quick, Mike, to the internet. But it's, is it, <laughs> Would you say phones. that it's the, the one of the sole purposes to have Jimmy Smith is to introduce Leia, to, to lead into Leia, for him to have his lines, well, I'm going to give this to someone who I can trust with my life. And it's... Well, yeah. I mean, he is her adopted father, and... But there's other characters that were... After the fallout from uh, with the uh... well, I mean, here's here's one of those interesting things. It's like if you watch the Force Awakens, it felt like the prequels never existed, right? It was so deeply rooted mm-hmm. in the original trilogy mm-hmm. and paying homage to the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, yeah, it was. It really felt like they were like wiping the slate clean and we're going to act like the prequels never happened (laughs) but at the same time you know that takes place 30 years after no absolutely but disney had an opportunity here to essentially wipe the slate clean and act like the prequels never happened yeah i see we're getting at yeah but by bringing jimmy smith's in Mm -hmm. by bringing the girl who played mon mothma in the prequels in Mm -hmm. the differences between you know like subtles with ships and all the by bringing in even Forrest Whitaker to play a character that originated on the Clone Wars cartoon, yeah. which is itself a direct pull from those prequel trilogy films, yeah. they've legitimized the prequels. Okay, I can see that. <laughs> yeah. And have essentially now said, whether you liked them or not, they're part of the lore. Right. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. And for that, I, I like it. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I, as a filmmaker, I can tell you all the places where the prequels suck, you know. But as an uncle who's watched them with his nephews and the little kids who watch these movies, they love them. Yeah. Really? They don't, they don't see the flaws. Right. They just enjoy Star Wars. Right. For Star Wars, because right. they, don't, they don't carry the nostalgia bucket that we've got, you know? Right. Like, they just don't care. <laughs> I'm right, you know, I'm 32, so I'm right, yeah, right I'm on right, that, right on that yeah. bottom where I understand, you know, I love the originals. Like, uh, Return of the Jedi is probably my favorite. But at the same time, Revenge of the Sith is probably my, might even be my favorite because Vader is my favorite villain of all time out of any <coughs> movie, comic, whatever. He's always been. Just to see how Anakin gets twisted mm-hmm. and turned into Vader really story-wise is great, but then for me, it's the lightsaber battles. The how, battles old, how old were you when Sith came out? Uh, that one, when was, that was... It's like 2003? No, it was later than that. Because mm, um, I was in college, so I would say I was probably... Because I was in college, I remember seeing it. It was either my junior or sophomore, sophomore year, maybe. Hmm. Um, 
but yeah, the, the lightsaber battles in that are just amazing. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I, I wonder, I mean, have they already talked about, I don't know the backstory about the original creation of the empire because it's to me clearly modeled after the Nazis. Mm-hmm. So as they have, they have the creators come back. So well, yes, we did model after Nazis. Oh, Lucas has never made any bones about that. Okay. <laughs> Cause it's like, I mean, there's a line in, um, is it Sith? 2005 was revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. Is it Sith when uh, Padme says, and this is how democracy dies, mm. yep. to, to thunderous applause? Mm. Which, is a, right com- which is a complete yeah. reference to Hitler. Right. And Trump. Well, at the time, it was Bush, because it was a war thing, I think, you going know. on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it does have its relevancy today as well. You know, this idea that, uh, you know, uh, the, you know. Well, I see far. I see far more parallels to the election of Trump. I post. I post. I literally posted to the that rise clip. of Hitler than than I ever saw in the Bush years. I posted that clip well, literally it's, that it's, night. It's an absolute parallel. I, it's yeah. un. It's uncanny the things that are happening. I don't want to go into the politics yeah. stuff on this. <laughs> well, it's hard not to though, because yeah. I mean, yeah. Star Wars for all its fantasy and everything else. Mm-hmm. At the heart of it is a very political story. Sure. It's about how dictatorship uh, is bad for everyone and how no one should sit and let someone have total control over their lives and what they do and how common people have the power to rise up and take their, mm-hmm. uh, their world back from this overarching, supposedly you know, fiercely deadly force yep. that common people banding together and uh, in some cases using a power that is beyond just a gun or a blaster or bombs or whatever Mm -hmm. that they can defeat uh, a menace to their society. uh, Like for me right now that story is playing out in North Dakota. Oh yeah. You know it's that small band of rebels that won't let down. Right. You know. Um, now I I I uh, I don't mind going into this, but I didn't I didn't follow. I was honestly working a lot, and I didn't know that it was bad what was happening. It was wrong, um, but I did hear a lot of reports about the police being brutal to them and doing the hoses and whatever. I'll uh, show you the videos. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I'm, I'm like, what? They're cause they're peacefully protesting, but they're being fired upon. I didn't yeah, get that yeah, it's, at all. It's, it's at all. It's so disheartening. I'll, yeah. I'll show you the videos. Okay. I know all the places to find it. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. But yeah, yeah, very much mm. the North Dakota access pipeline stuff yeah. is very much a Star Wars story <laughs> in modern day. Yeah. And know. the theme of the Star Wars stories is, I guess there's certain, there's certain uh, story themes. What is it? Uh, man versus man, man versus society, man versus himself or whatever. Yeah. Or good versus evil and these different constructs of a story. This is a good versus evil story overall um but again but it's also man versus society okay it's also man versus himself okay you know yeah. i think that the, the the richness of the star wars stories is that they function on so many of those levels mm-hmm. because on the on the large scale you've got the rebels trying to defeat the empire mm-hmm. right which is a 
classic kind of good versus evil. Mm-hmm. Then you've got Jedi versus Sith, which is also classic good versus evil. But then you have farm boy having to find his way and discover the strength within, which is man versus self. Sure. <laughs> right. Sure. Um, and then when you throw in the mysticism of the Sith Vader, mm-hmm. the powers that they have, mm-hmm. it's man versus monster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So you have all these, yeah, like, I think, uh, yeah, and, and amazing level technology, you know? Yeah. Man versus Death Star is there. Yeah. True. Uh, that and uh, I think the the training sequence with Yoda and Luke has just magical moments with that. I mean, the, the, mm-hmm. the iconic scene where he lifts the ship up and he says, "I don't believe it." And he says, "That's why that you is why you <laughs> fail." <laughs> These are like classic iconic moments in in, uh, in film, especially with Star Wars. Um, well, that and that to me is what Star Wars is is at its best. Like the difference between Star Trek and Star Wars, right? Star Trek is so rooted in like believable science mm-hmm. to the point of being a turnoff to some people mm-hmm. because it's like, I don't want to sit and, and attend a lecture, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know? Right. And there are some episodes of the next generation that are just like beating you over the head with politics. Sure. You know, well, well, Star Trek, if we were talking about that, that was from what I understood it, <clears throat> uh, Gene Roddenberry, it was man's, Facets within himself. Each character on that bridge was a, car- a facet within a person. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the logic, there's the emotional, there's the feminine, there's the yeah, um, and you're able to have all the different facets of, of yeah. humanity. Yeah, yeah, functioning together or battling against each other. Yeah, you yeah. know. But these are to try and find the way. magic of the old TV shows that that were able to pull that off and do well. Gilligan's yeah. Isle is another example of that. It's a microcosm. Exactly. Of exactly. But the thing that Star Wars does is Star Wars functions, I think, on a far more simplified storytelling scale to be more like parables. Yeah. You know, more like the way Jesus taught, you know, here's a story, (laughs) you know, and you're going to enjoy listening to the story, but you're going to learn something from hearing the story too. And I don't need to beat you over the head with it necessarily. Yeah. It's just, here's a story. Yeah. Enjoy the story. Something too about this is that. I thought very compared to the other films, very minimal lightsaber lightsaber usage in this. None. I mean, I outside mean, of Darth Vader, Vader at the end. end. That was it. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to the other one, because there were no Jedi. <laughs> yeah, there's no uh, Jedi. This yeah, was a Jedi-free movie, pretty much. Pretty much. And there is one scene too. I noticed there is a big monument of rock that's turned over on the side. Is that supposed to be a Jedi? Yeah, it's an old Jed- Jedi. Okay. Um. Is one of the Jedi planets where they've they harvested kyber crystals, right? Which are the crystals that create sure. the lightsabers. lightsabers yeah. um, kyber crystals have a unique quality in that they bond with the Force user who mm-hmm. harvests them, mm-hmm. and it's that bonding that creates the color of the blade. Mm-hmm. Um, so Sith are red, right. yeah, but Jedi mm-hmm. are blue or green. green. Yeah. Or in Mace Windu's case, purple. Right. There's white. There's yellow. There's a whole. There are white. Um, there are yellows. Mm-hmm. There are various colors. Um, but Jeddah is where they went to get them. And as they've developed the lore of Jedi and the crystals over the years, mm-hmm. the Jedi actually go as part of their training. It's like a pilgrimage. 
it's a pilgrimage and and you and and you get it vader says it to luke in return of the jedi Mm -hmm. i see you've constructed your own lightsaber Mm -hmm. at last your training's complete it's like the final piece of training okay is to build your own lightsaber and they do that in uh and, they, um, they did it in Clone Wars. Clone Wars they Rebels do they've done lot. it in Rebels. Um, so all the cartoons, they've gone to these places okay. where the kyber so crystals are. Okay. So yeah, there's all this lore that's been building yeah. up on on the on the animated series, oh, and, they're, yeah. and they're really like branching that into the movies now, yeah. which is very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did, did I read it into this? Like they're harvesting the kyber crystals to. That's what powers the Death Star. Yeah. Like the weapon. Like that was yeah. really cool how they tied that in. Yeah. You have no idea what the laser was. Yeah. Until now. Yeah. 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 Now we know. It's this big mass of crystals they put into this thing and they funnel some other source. Yeah. To... They pipe, pipe the power into the crystal and the crystal focuses the blade. Yeah. And... yeah. Really it was very cool. cool. It was a very cool way to tie that all together. Yeah. Really but so Jada is and that city mm-hmm. was a sacred Jedi city. Yeah. That supported the mining of kyber crystals and the Jedi who would come there to look for it. And so that monument was just one of those tips of the hat to, you know, a thousand generations of Jedi that had come to that planet. I'm wondering if it stood up at one point a long time ago. And then it it looked like it had fallen down. down. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that makes sense. A lot more sense. But even in the time of, of, uh, Phantom Menace and all that stuff, a lot of those temples and stuff were old right. and, and ancient and not necessarily upkept, you know, like that statue could have been down already at that point. I mean, it was buried halfway in the sand. And we enormous, don't really, you know, I mean, we kind of generally know, but we don't really know how much time is in between Revenge of the Sith and now. You know, because like you saw the very end of Revenge, like this Death Star just starting to get built. It's, so it's it, it, well, you do, you yeah, do because what Leia's age is versus Le- Luke and Leia are oh, like right. eighteen, Duh. yeah, seventeen, eighteen years so old. It's so it's been seventeen, 15, eighteen years, yeah. eighteen years. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Um, but you know, incredibly cool. I mean, you, you listen to Yoda talk about the Jedi, you know, and and and. Obi-Wan talk about the Jedi, you know, for a thousand generations, they were the keepers of peace throughout the galaxy. Mm-hmm. A thousand generations is a long, long ass time, time. Yeah. you know? Yeah. So that, I mean, if you think of the Jedi in their early days, when they first defeated the Sith and... Did they go Knights, for that in the... Knights of the, 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 the Old the Republic. The That's series. the Old Republic, which is covered in a lot of the video games. Yep. So they go into um, that in the animated series at all? About they the, talk about it. Okay. But the, they've not told back, those stories. Yeah. Um, but those stories have been played out a little bit in the video games because there's a whole series okay. of old Republic video games. Okay. Um, but if you if you were to think back to that, like how much the galaxy must have just embraced the Jedi in the early days, a giant a giant city where they get their crystals that allow them to protect the galaxy would be a revered place. Where they would build giant statues, you yeah. know, yeah. <laughs> like Jesus. Yeah, yeah really. It's, yeah, it's, it's religion. Yeah. It's religion. It's everything else. Power. Yeah. So you have these huge <laughs> meccas in the middle of different planets. Yeah. That have- well, and that's and that's what Luke in the Force Awakens is off right doing. Right. He was going from one temple, to one another. temple to the other, trying to find the secrets of the of the Jedi, the original temple, mm-hmm. and that's where 
Ray finds him at the end of that film. And that's something they've been doing more and more with Star Wars Rebels, the animated series that's on Disney XD right now, mm-hmm. is they've been chasing the kind of mythology of the Sith and the Jedi and, mm-hmm. and, and, Va- and Vader Force users. Vader and his Not just Sith and Jedi, but people users. who use the Force yeah. at various right. levels. Yeah. You know? And Vader and his Inquisitors have been finding these temples and destroying them yeah. or getting the power from them, you know, finding holocrons on them. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's yeah. very cool. Like what, what Disney has done, um, cause they wiped out the expanded universe, all the books that had been written for which like 25 some years. Really there were books, which are, there were some excellent oh. books, but they wiped them all out and yep. said, we're starting clean. We want a fresh slate. We may bring back some of those characters and stuff from some of those books, you know, possibly within the context of the new stories we're telling, but we're going to tell new stories. One, one of my and favorite. by doing that, they've allowed themselves to really create a narrative cohesion yeah. across all the franchises that they're creating for the one of my favorite for the Star Wars universe. books that I hope they at least base it off a little bit um, was a Han Solo trilogy, hmm. and it's Han's. I could see that coming. Uh, prequel. Well, they're they're doing a Han yeah. Solo yeah. young movie, yeah. um, but it starts with him as a kid. Um, did you Lando. for Lando? I didn't. I've been waiting. Meeting Lando, <laughs> meeting Boba Fett, growing up, all Damn this it. stuff. Um, it, lo- it literally ends at Moss Eisley Cantina. Mm-hmm. Really well done. Well, they wrote they wrote a comic book about Han in the new stuff, right? Which comics are canon now? Yeah, um, and it deals with his wife. Yep, <laughs> I know. Oh, wow. Yeah. He's uh, African-American. And... Oh, wow. yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. So it'll, so be, it'll be interesting to see what they do with the character now that they've established that as canon, that he had a wife and she was, you know, like. Which how is much, not in the book. <laughs> how much of that will we get in the young Han Solo movie? Because you got to figure whatever they were doing in the comic book, they're fully aware that they're setting the groundwork for whatever story they're going to tell. Of this character in his younger days, right? It'd be very interesting. So, uh, as far as it's a good time to be a Star Wars fan, it I'm is. Just saying that <laughs> the other visual effect I thought was interesting that I, I haven't seen the others is the jumps to light space and jumping out of coming out of hyperspace. So, uh, for the first time, we saw that these ships actually do appear and they run into each other sometimes. Oh, that was awesome! I thought it was cool. They they figured out that hey, you know, this probably happens. It doesn't always. That I think the is thing was missed too. Is that they did a line where they said, "Hey, we we detected a huge object coming out of hyperspace, and it's the Death Star." But yeah, I wish they just showed it yeah. <laughs> to see that thing just kind of go, boom, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, would have yeah. been amazing. Because my question would have been, how are they propelling that into hyperspace? What are they using to propel it? It's a slow moving. Well, that's always been the question I had. Yeah. How do they move that thing around? Yeah. But I, but again, the the fact of them sort of doing oops, running at each other. And, suddenly being in the way of each other. I thought that was awesome. But that feels to me like that's where Star Trek had an influence on Star Wars. Oh, really? They, because they, they, the they last were, few Star Trek films, they've had that happen. <laughs> they come out of hyperspace and yeah. right into the thick of crap. Well, you I guess know? In, the, in the original New Hope, that's one thing that they do is they, they were trying to go to this planet. They come out of hyperspace and it's blown up and they're running into the debris. They're running into the asteroids and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Or the debris. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, but it's neat to see the kind of progression of how 
with each successive film, kind of the ideas are expanded and improved upon and improved upon. Yeah. We don't need to go back and create more special editions. We just need to make more movies. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm a total apologist for the special editions. I love them. But, you know, I'm glad that we're getting new content. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. So or were you guys really worried after this whole Disney takeover of the Star Wars? Because I, I, it, it's weird to me to see that it's like in Disneyland, Disney World. It's it was always for me as growing up. It's a separate thing. This is not great. That's Mickey Mouse, other stuff. This is Star Wars. A whole different. Well, I guess I guess that's <laughs> it, that's that, no. It's interesting because in 1987, I I attended a uh, you know we we've been annual pass holders at Disneyland for years in my uh, family. Okay. 1987, we were at Disneyland. Just happened to be there on the day that they did previews uh, on Star Tours. Sure. That's that 1987. I was only 12 years sure. old. But I thought that was like <laughs> something they kind of licensed from Star Wars. Okay, you don't mind we're going to make this ride. Like, they did. Cool. They did. Right. But Lucas then turned around and made Captain EO. Mm-hmm. Right. So you saw this kind of. Mid-90s, they yeah. bring Indiana Jones and the Temple of the Forbidden Eye. Mm-hmm. And so for me, like, like my high school years are all in involved in George Lucas wrapping his stuff up into Disney mm. parks. Mm. And I kind of always just figured in a lot of ways, like when he's done, that's where Lucasfilm is going to go. Mm. He's going to sell all this stuff to Disney. Mm. I've kind of just always assumed that really? because that, that seemed to be what he was doing anyway. He's yeah. like laying the groundwork for it. So when they made the announcement, I wasn't surprised, okay. like not in, the, not in the slightest. And by the time they made that announcement, Disney had already paid $4 billion for Pixar. And that transition went very, very well. They had already paid $4 billion for Marvel. And that transition went very, very well. And I went, and, and because they let Pixar continue to be Pixar, mm-hmm. but incorporated Pixar into Disney's animation so actually improved disney's animation Mm -hmm. didn't ruin pixar right improved disney yeah they bought marvel and they just let marvel do marvel right yeah and they haven't even like marvel fied the parks yet you know they've they've let marvel just do marvel's thing yeah and that's gone over exceptionally well yeah so by the time they got to buying lucasfilm i just went that makes sense logical that's that's where this was going and with the recent history of how they've functioned it makes sense and you look at what disney's done this year at the box office between the disney animated films the pixar animated films the marvel films and lucasfilm disney holds the record this year of the most money ever made by a studio (laughs) yeah in a single year yeah I think I commented on your Facebook the other day. Uh, you posted like the 12 best movies of 2016. And La La Land was number one. Mm-hmm. But I kn- uh, all the rest were kind of lower budget, not indie, but you know what I mean? Like just that. But I, I commented, I'm like, it's interesting that the two biggest names on that are two Disney films. <coughs> one of them is Moana, and then the other one was Doctor Strange. Now I'm sure this would have been, one hadn't come out yet, so that wasn't added to that list, but there you go. 
Yeah. It's, um, if any other big studio, it was Disney that made it. Yeah. Uh, and Disney's not the Disney it was of the 90s when Michael Eisner was the guy in charge. Yeah. When they got rid of Eisner, and I forget the name of the guy who's in charge now, but the guy in charge right now, he's mm. <laughs> he's got a smart mind. His, I read some of the Eisner started as a tour guide for like Paramount. Oh, Eisner, yeah. Eisner like worked his way up yeah. in Hollywood for sure, you know. But by the time he got to the last 10 years or so of his tenure at Disney, he was just, it was just all about money, really? you know, and, yeah. the, and the art suffered. Yeah. And when the new guy took over at Disney, the very first thing he did was went and had a meeting with Steve Jobs and said, what do I have to do to get Pixar back? Mm. And that was the kind of death knell for Eisner at Disney was he let Pixar go. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the shareholders went, what the are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like they're the hottest thing in Hollywood right now. And you let them go. Yeah. <laughs> Even a bad deal with them is a good deal, yeah. you know? Um, and, and the fact that he convinced Steve jobs to completely sell Pixar over was like, this dude knows what he's doing. Yeah. You know? And then how he handled that transition and said, we're not just buying Pixar. We're incorporating Pixar into the Disney brand, but letting Pixar be Pixar, but also having them influence the rest of the, the yeah. deal. And yeah. so John Lasseter, who who came up in Disney, but was you know the Pixar. guy yeah. at Pixar. Yeah. Pixar. Yeah. They brought Lasseter in and put him in charge of the parks and in charge of the animation department. Nice. And they took uh, the guy who was kind of the the brain power of Pixar. And and put him kind of in charge of the corporate side of Disney as well, and it's affected everything at Disney yeah. ever since. Yeah, for the better. The yeah. park experience is better. It's a bit expensive, but the park <laughs> experience is better. The films have been better, like across the board. Yeah, and um, it's I, I like you know you can tie everything in together. You know, so ABC is owned by Disney and the TV channel. So it's like Agents of Shield, Marvel. All, you know, like it ties in with the movies. Like everything is way more of a connective unit now. Mm-hmm. I've uh, worked on Agents of Shield actually. That's cool. What? Yeah. yeah. When was that? And uh, last year. So uh, who's the who's the actress? The Asian actress on that? Um. Oh God, she voices Mulan. Uh, Mulan. Just as beautiful in person. Oh. And yeah. she, what is her name? And just as sweet. Awesome. And uh, the lead actor that is. Uh, Agent Colson. Uh, Clark Gregg. Cool guy. Very funny. Accomplished director himself. Total nerd. Total nerd. Yeah. But he, he uh, you know, gets he's lines. A, he's a huge over. comic book nerd. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a real nice production to work on. So anyway. Ming-Na. Uh, <laughs> yes. Ming-Na. That's her. That's her. And uh, Clark Gregg. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Chloe Bennett. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Rogue One, amazing. Definitely going to see it again. Definitely. Many times. Definitely. Yep. <laughs> I haven't wanted to see the movie again like this in a long time. I definitely want to see this again. Yeah. Many times. The sooner the better. Yeah. This yeah. weekend. I got to take my six-year-old right. nephew to see it. Right. He was, so, he was so bummed that he couldn't, yeah. that he couldn't come tonight because oh, right. we couldn't get a ticket for him. Yeah. Um, he's six. Yeah. Right. 
and he's been kind of iffy about Star Wars for the last like year. Mm-hmm. But in the last like week, he's just Definitely been like, like oh, yeah, I want to see it. I want to see it. And we're like, eh, we don't have tickets. <laughs> like today, he was literally like cry face. Oh my gosh! Upset oh. that he couldn't come tonight. Sorry, Sean. You're like, no, it's cool. We'll we'll take you this weekend. Yeah. Oops, really? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Believe sure. me, we're gonna see this again. <laughs> <laughs> the sooner the better. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Well, you probably need to go buy tickets now online. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I'm thinking about it. What do we think about take on this? And word gets out. Word's already out, but people saying this now tonight, this weekend. Uh, what kind of numbers are we thinking for this movie what for this we- weekend? It's gonna be the biggest December opening. Clearly. On record, I'm sure. Uh, uh, what's the what's the biggest weekend film opening? Uh, you, you ever look that up, anyone? The biggest December. The biggest weekend opening period. A weekend opening period. I know we're looking at relative dollars, um, but the actual just face face value dollars now. Is it still? No, it's not. It's been broken so many times right. in the last year. Year and a half. Mm-hmm. Force, Force Awakens. Force Awakens Force is Awakens. the one, right? Because prior to that was Jurassic World. Yep. And then Marvel's The Avengers. And then Avengers Civil Age of Ultron. Age of Ultron was good. I think this is going to take it. I think a well. Yeah. I think, I think there's a definite possibility. And here's the thing, too. is like, I think we've all gone through so much weird emotional shit yes. since the beginning <laughs> of November. I think people are ready for like yes, a big tentpole movie escape right now. Yeah, you're right. Very true. And I think I think this is the movie that's going to deliver it. I think so. I think so. Multiracial cast too. Yeah. Like the most multiracial cast of any Star Wars movie. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if it'll beat Force Awakens or not because when that was coming out, I mean, it was the you know the original cast like. Oh, because they had, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's the original story. I don't, Mm. so I don't know. It will definitely do huge. Will it beat Force Awakens? I'm not sure. I I guess true, because you got uh, Harris Ford back. That means you've got old people that didn't want anything to do with the newer bash of Star Wars. Now, oh, Harris Ford's back. We'll go check it out. But I still think this is good. Well, I mean, Fandango crashed within minutes trying to sell pre. Comic-Con all over. <laughs> so, well, I've lucked out with Comic-Con. So. You know, the last time that happened to us was when Force Awakens right. tickets went on sale. So, hmm. Interesting. I, I, I think there's a possibility. I think right now, I think Star Wars is so hot right now. Right. Because Force Awakens was so well-received, I think people are just excited. It's, it's the same Marvel effect. Mm-hmm. You know, when Marvel movies come out right now, people are excited to see Marvel movies. Especially when you have big gambles like Doctor Strange. You know, like Ant-Man did boffo numbers, and most people don't know Ant-Man. Yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy was a completely, like, crap comic book property (laughs) that did boffo numbers in the box office because Marvel has earned that right. And I think what J.J. Abrams was able to do last year with The Force Awakens is earn the right for Star Wars to sit back at the top of that that kind of echelon of films that people are excited to see. Each year, every other year, can see a new take on it, like with different directors each time. With different now that we're doing all these Star Wars stories that are spinoffs, mm-hmm. or you know whatever. Um, and I think that's another thing too that really needs to be emphasized is this is unlike any other Star Wars film. Yep. Yeah. Totally. Period. Yeah. 
it's the most unique piece of Star Wars film you've ever seen. If you've seen Star Wars Rebels, it'll feel on par with that kind of storytelling. Because it exists within the same time frame as Star Wars Rebels does. And the same kind of conditions that those characters survive within. But for the films, it is a unique Star Wars perspective that we've not had. And I think because it's untethered now from the Skywalker saga, I think that's going to allow a lot of storytelling freedom. Um, And Kathleen Kennedy said that there is an endless realm of stories to be told in the Star Wars universe. And after seeing this tonight, I can see that. Yeah, and we can all be more excited to see them. Yeah. You you and I have talked about this with Force Awakens with with Rey's character and her parentage. Like, having it not be a Skywalker opens that up to a whole bunch of different characters and get, you know, you can go different planets and all, you know, so it's having new characters and species and places just opens that up to mm-hmm. I mean how many how many how many planets do we go to on the like there were a lot of planets in the there's a lot of planets I hadn't heard of six or yeah. seven yeah. different locations yeah. yeah yeah um there there have been rumors going around the last couple of weeks about why they haven't solidified on the idea of doing an Obi-Wan standalone movie because they're not done with him yet in the saga, which lends some idea to the idea that Obi-Wan may be Ray's father. Okay. Or grandfather. I guess it would need to be up leading up to his, his, uh, tutelage under Qui-Gon Kang or whatever the, uh, Qui-Gon Jinn. Yeah. Uh, well, and then Clone Wars. He's, otherwise he's part of, He's a big part of the story after that. that Well, I think I think there's a capacity for that storyline to be part of the branching off of Obi Wan's experience Mm -hmm. after he arrives at Tatooine, and while Luke's still a baby. Okay, that could be. So you got to figure he didn't need to hang out all the time until Luke was maybe in his preteen years. You know, like. Yeah, he wasn't just sitting in the cave all the time. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't sitting in the cave out. meditating for for 20 years, you know? Like, yeah, no. and I'm sure he did a bit of that. Beating but. up an angel sand man, which he must have done often, scared to death of him, so. And, you know, she died in Clone Wars, but he had a huge thing for, um, I'm trying to remember, the Mandalorian queen. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, at one point he even said, I would have left the Jedi, when she's dying, I would have left the Jedi Order for you. Yeah. So he's not immune to not knowing love. Yeah. Well, and let's face it, the whole time he's on Tatooine, he's not a member of the Jedi Order anymore. Right. He's just a dude living in the desert. He's just a dude who, you know, knows about the Jedi Order. Yeah. But he is the last Jedi at that point. He's just learning to leave, he's he's learning to commune with Do you the leave dead? all the proverbial eggs in the Skywalker basket? Right. <laughs> I don't know. Questions to be answered in the future. So a year from now, <laughs> <laughs> episode eight next year. Um, thanks for sitting down, guys. Ah, oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm glad you came, Eric. Yeah, me too. It's nice hanging out with you. I know. I, I, uh, I I'm I'm hanging out more with with friends now. What <laughs> what, what was your favorite moment? 
my, my favorite moment. Um, I think my favorite moment was when um, Chitty, is that his name? Sure. Chitty. <laughs> Don Yun. Donnie Yen. Uh, Donnie Yen. When he, uh, when he opens up a can of whoop-ass on the Stormtroopers, like... It's so good. The martial arts. I was just like, yeah, dude's a badass. Like, yeah. I like that. Yeah. And not a Jedi. Right. Did it with a stick. Yeah. <laughs> I, thought that was, I thought that was probably my favorite moment. What were you, Mark? Uh, it's, it's, it's clearly the uh, Darth Vader in the dark hallway. Yep. It's, <laughs> it's, it's the best. <laughs> That's it enough. I think what it is, I was sold already by the time we got oh, to that right. point. Okay. You know, like I'm like I'm like I I already love this movie. Like that was icing on the cake. Yes, but yeah. the turning point for me going okay, I'm 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 in. <laughs> right yeah. was was the the fight in okay. Jeddah. Okay, like yeah. I was like okay, no Jedi, but still badass. <laughs> you know. See, Walker, walkers and, in the middle of the city and, and exp- yeah walkers in the middle of the city like i mean that's stuff we just haven't seen you know like it's always out in the forest or in ice or like whatever you know this yeah. this was like gritty war stuff yeah and it, it was it was a great expansion on the storytelling in the universe for me what about you for your favorite moment uh vader yeah. uh from him in the back to tank and then uh but yeah the hallway to the end is yeah the hallway was epic that's if anything, I just wish that like was stretched out longer. Longer, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> um, and then just a little, just all the little subtle nods and Easter eggs in there. The um, the T fifteen reference to the old racer or pod or, or ship that's obsolete, which is talked about in A New Hope by two stormtroopers. There's so many little things that. Just tie everything together. It's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. I, I can't wait to watch it again just to catch yeah, more of the little them, yeah. the little subtleties. All the stuff I learned from you guys so now I'm really <laughs> to see it again. Yeah, and I like the Spider-Man trailer in the very beginning, seeing that in 3D. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on the big screen. It was awesome. Yeah. 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 Else that we saw in a trailer for the day. Oh, the uh, Pirates. I thought I was thinking, watching. You know, you got to see that in 3D because it's just the way the uh, villain moves in that. Yeah, I've like, heard underwater or something. Yeah, the way his hair is moving like yeah, it's underwater. Because like, I saw it on the 2D on something, and it didn't look, <coughs> didn't it, it? Didn't it had a lesser effect than it does when you're watching that in 3D? Yeah. So that's a, that's a 3D. when 3D's done well. Yeah, it really expands the the film. Yeah. When it's done poorly, it's a complete fucking distraction. <laughs> But when it's done well, it can really expand everything. It was Friday the 13th Part 3 in Super 3D. Nice. This is where they're jabbing the spears right out the screen. Red and blue glasses. That was like the sole purpose of of 3Ds when I was a kid. Is it the horror movies? I I still wish every once in a while they would do a little bit more of that. (laughs) Like in, 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 um, in Force Awakens. The the uh, star destroyer coming out of the screen was freaking cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I didn't see it in three D. See, well, in um, Star Trek uh, Into Darkness, mm-hmm. when they're on the planet, the the volcano's exploding mm-hmm. at the very beginning of that movie, and they're 
the spears are being thrown at yep. him. There was one spear in that movie that made me duck in the yeah. movie theater. <laughs> like, see, I'm like, just, just once or it was, twice. It was, it's like, so nice. unexpected. Like, yeah. fast cuts, fast cuts, and then, whoo, like, this oh, spear, wow. like, comes right at your face. You're like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, sparingly. Right, I mean, exactly. it's, it's a weird thing, because it's the gimmick, Yeah. you know, and yeah. it's the gimmick that makes it bad. But if you, if time, you, doing if you limit kind of... the gimmick to one or two times within the movie and it's a surprise when it happens, right. that's okay. Yeah. And the Star Destroyer is a perfect example of what I was talking about, expanding the universe. The universe. And they did that to great effect in this too. The shot, the, the first shot of a Star Destroyer, right? Well, yeah, and the, the, tie, shot, the, tie and the shadows coming up. across it to reveal the whole ship. And then it cuts to the wider shot mm-hmm. and the same shadows doing the same thing across the Death Star behind it. Mm-hmm. Like that expands and the, the space out. When you, you have know? the Death Star in the back and you have all the the perspective of the Star Destroyers close to you and farther away, mm-hmm. you really get this feel of how big this Death Star is. Yeah. By having that 3D actually in there. Yeah. Yeah. Again, when it's done well. It improves storytelling. And that always gets back to what I say. Does it serve story? So, cool. Uh, this has been a two-hour podcast. <laughs> Seriously. Really? <laughs> of course, we had like uh, 12 minutes of weirdness with uh, Denny's patron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a risky take. Yeah. Well, very sweet lady. <laughs> yeah. Maybe take. she's listening to the episode. If so, hello. Yeah. Hello, lady. Hello, lady. Um, what's that from? I don't know. Oh God, I know it. I don't know it. Oh, it's uh, Andre the Giant. There you go. Um, <laughs> Princess Bride. Princess Bride. Bride. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, there's four white horses. There'll be four of us if we Hello, find the lady. Hello, lady. <laughs> My sister would know that. My sister Monique would know that. Inconceivable. So cool. Um. We'll be doing this again uh, for uh, episode eight. I hope, uh, hope you'll join my, us for my, that as my, well. year, my yearly podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, I'll, I'll be on again. Mike, you only podcast after Star Wars films. Oh, really? Well, th- well, we tried last time here after what? When did we? What was that when we came here? But it was interrupted by a. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. What? What? Yeah, yeah, I forget yeah. what it was. A, was it? Must have been Marvel. It must have been a Marvel. Movie. It had to have been. It was a Ultron. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Till the next one. Yep. Uh, I'm your host, Dave Dawson. This is the Intellectual Podcast. Thank you for joining us, Mikey. Thank you for joining me. Absolutely, buddy. Merrick, thank you for joining thanks me. Thanks for having me. And all the rest of you, go see this fucking movie. <laughs> Again and again, again and again yeah. and again and again and again, and let's make sure that uh, Disney never stops making kick-ass Star Wars films. Hello there, citizens. I am the terror that flaps in the night. I am the floaty that will not flush, no matter how many times you try. In the toilet bowl of crime, I am Darkwing Duck. Telling you, please talk hard and enjoy the mindgasm. <laughs> Whatever the heck that means. After all, you are watching. Intellectual Podcast with your ears.